We're going to be in John chapter 5 this morning, so if you have your, your Bibles, you can open to John chapter 5. If you need one, there's some must on the, the bookshelves at the back there if you'd like to, to borrow a Bible, or just listen along as I read. That's, that's fine as we, we go through. There's notes at the back if you want the outline, and you can follow along that way and fill it in, or just blank sheets if you want to do your own notes. Um, you know, my family doesn't like the notes I do. They like to do their own doesn't bother me, uh, as long as you can uh, take in God's word and, and remember it. So we're going to be in John chapter 5 towards the end from verse 30 is where we're going to read in just one moment. Uh, but you know, as, a, as a church and as a people of God, we of course want to make an impact in our world in a very positive way. We want to, we want to help people in any way that we can. It's why we do things like provide meals for for people when they, they need it and that sort of practical help and helping those in, in need, uh, wherever that may be, even in providing for, for those who uh, don't have what they, they should, the practical teaching at times of ways to live out our faith and, and uh, providing marriage and family counseling and guidance and all of those sorts of things. We, we like to, in as many ways as possible, be able to to help and provide a, a positive impact in our society and in our, our world. But ultimately, we want you to believe that Jesus Christ is Savior and to live for him. While all those other things are good and while we want to do other good things and, and live out our faith in those ways, they're really sort of secondary to our main purpose or supplementary to what we do and what our, our main goal is here, and to present Jesus as Savior. Which means we are, as a church and as a people, overtly evangelistic about Jesus. This, we're not going to be shy about who Jesus is or what he has done for us or why you need to believe him, because we believe here that Jesus and Jesus alone is who you need. No matter where you are in life, no matter what has come to you. We believe that to be true, that Jesus is the answer that you are looking for. As we have made our way through the Gospel of John, we have noticed that Jesus has made some claims of authority. He has claimed to have authority over life and, and the power to give life. He's claimed the authority over people and to, to guide and tell us what we should and should not do. The claims that Jesus has made through his life have been, well, really outrageous. If they are not true, they are absolutely outrageous to claim that you have the power of life and death, to claim that you can determine the, the eternal state of someone based on their belief in you. Those are outrageous claims, especially if they cannot be proven. Toward the end of chapter 5, in verse 43, Jesus says, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. You know, we're, we're not likely to believe Jesus' word alone. It's what he says there. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm coming in my name, and you would rather believe somebody who comes in their own name. There's many of us who won't believe the claims Jesus made. And many of us that will. But let's read this morning in our text from verse 30 of John chapter 5. 
Jesus says, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I, and that's an emphatic, so it's if I alone bear witness of myself, my witness is not true or valid. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You send unto John, and he bear witness unto you the truth. But I receive not the testimony from man, but these things I say, that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself which has sent me, has borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he has sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. We'll stop there this morning and we'll continue this later. But let's have a word of prayer as we, we move on. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your word. Remind us, dear God, of why you are worthy of belief. Encourage our hearts. Reach deep into our souls today that those who do not believe you will be drawn to believe. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in verse 31, as I mentioned when I read it, begins, if I bear witness. It's an emphatic I, so it means if I alone, it's just, just me on my own, bear witness of myself. So under the law that the Jews lived under and, and applied here, your own testimony was insufficient to provide evidence for who you were or what you had done. It was considered not valid. And so that's how Jesus starts. He says, so if I give testimony of myself to you, you won't consider that valid. So they expected more. So to support his claims, he gives in the verses we have just read five sources to verify his authority. Five other reasons, five other uh, places where you can see his authority is verified. So verse 33, and we're going to work through these, verse 33 is John the Baptist. He says, you want another witness? John the Baptist is another witness to my authority. Verse 36, he says, it is the works that the Father sent him to do. So the works that he does, his miracles and the work that he does on earth is a testimony of who he is. Which then leads naturally into verse 37 where he says the next authority or the the next uh, uh, witness is the Father who has sent him. Verse 39, the fourth of the witnesses he will give here is the scriptures. So the scriptures that these Jews read and understood, that was, was them. And then the last one, which is down in verse 45, which we'll look at more later, is Moses and the law. This morning... I'm going to give you four reasons why we should believe Jesus. And I'm giving you four because the last two, the scriptures and the law, I'm going to combine into one brief thought this morning on those things. 
So I want to consider this morning this thought, why you should believe Jesus. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you think, well, I believe Jesus, I'm, I'm saved, I am one of his, his people, don't think that, oh, well, I don't need this, I know who it is. Jesus makes some very striking and pointed arguments here, which are directed toward the religious, toward the people who think they know God. As we sit here this morning, no matter where we sit, these are, these are evidences, these are things that Jesus tells that every one of us need to take seriously, that we need to investigate more fully. So the first evidence that Jesus gives here, as we've mentioned, is the witness of his people. The witness of his people in verse 33. Ye sent unto John, that is John the Baptist, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not the testimony from man, but these things I say, that ye might, believe, that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. So his, his authority and the, the testimony of his authority is declared by John the Baptist. John the Baptist declares who Jesus is. He is another evidence, another witness of who Jesus is. And John the Baptist was a dynamic witness, and that's how Jesus describes him here. He was a special man with a special mission. It's interesting that as Jesus describes him here, he uses the past tense, that he was a witness, which seems to indicate that John's ministry has finished. Perhaps he's already in jail at this point and waiting for the time that he will be, be executed. But that was natural because as Jesus began to rise, John's ministry began to decrease. And we've talked about that before. But Jesus says that his ministry may have burned out. He was a burning and shining light. And at first he burned brightly and he burned fiercely and he was easily seen and recognized and you could see and hear everything that he said and listened to. His light shone brightly and he had vast influence. People from everywhere were coming to hear what John had to say. Jesus even reminds the religious leaders who are with him here that they even went out to hear him. And to see what John the Baptist had to say. And for a while, they believed him. For a while, they were excited about the message of John the Baptist. They believed the things that he had said. The point was, they couldn't believe John and then not believe Jesus. Because John's message was about Jesus. But John was a dividing witness, there is no doubt about that. Many came, we see in verse 35, and beyond many will come and many will believe. And they believed Jesus because of John the Baptist. And they believed what he had to say. And many turned from John the Baptist and began to follow Jesus. That's how we get the apostles who are following Jesus. But even the many who turned from John the Baptist and began to follow Jesus, many of them soon fell away and didn't follow Jesus. And we'll talk more about that when we get to the end of chapter 5, because at the end of chapter 5, Jesus talks about why we reject Jesus. So many of them began to follow, but then soon fell away. Why did they reject? Because they didn't like the message. John preached repentance, and he denounced the hypocrisy of the Jews and the religiousness of their society. John pointed to Jesus as the Messiah, 
which is what he did. He was a directing witness. His, his witness and his focus was to point people to Jesus. That was his purpose, to point others to Jesus. John was a witness to who Jesus was, to who Jesus is. But the witness of his people is not just about being declared by John the Baptist. It goes further than that. It is declared by his saints, by his people. John was indeed a dynamic witness and a very, uh, a very unique witness. There has been no one in the world like John the Baptist and never will be. But that doesn't mean that there haven't been other dynamic witnesses throughout history. God has used many, many through the centuries. There's a long line of, uh, through, through history of witnesses continuing from the time of Christ to, to even now who are dynamic representations and, and evidences and witnesses of Jesus Christ, beginning with the, the early church and the, 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 the martyrs with Stephen and the apostles who all proclaimed Jesus Christ and died for Jesus Christ. And those that followed right on, those that were taught by the apostles, people like Polycarp, and then to Justin Martyr and Augustine, who continued that, who made large marks in history because of Jesus. Later, we would see people like William Tyndall, who would bring the word of God to the plowboy, to the common people, so that we could understand God's word in our own language. Luther, Calvin, Huss. These all made huge marks on society for Jesus Christ. Later, people like William Carey, who would be one of the first of the modern missions movements, and, and Charles Spurgeon and, and Jonathan Edwards would all have important marks. But it's not just limited to men. There have been, been dynamic women witnesses like, like Lottie Moon, who ministered in China for her years, or Amy Carmichael in India. Or Catherine von Bora, whose ministry to Martin Luther in Germany meant that the Reformation could thrive. There is no shortage of powerful witnesses throughout history. Their mark on history is indelible. And the mark that they have left on history is Christ. They have left that behind them. But this isn't just about dynamic witnesses. It's not just about the ones who can make a mark that fans the flames through the world. It's about the daily witnesses too. Not just the dynamic and the powerful. Every Christian is a testimony of Jesus' character. Every one of us are a witness to who Jesus is. How? Because our lives bear his mark. They show the difference he makes. We are witnesses of him because we believe him. Jesus told us that was our, our purpose, to proclaim what he's done in, in our life. You shall be my witnesses in all the world. It's what we're called to do. But it's not just what we're called to do. Paul says because of what Christ has done in us, it is what we are compelled to do. We are moved to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Just like John, our witness isn't of ourselves. Our witness is about the authority and wonder of Jesus Christ. Because we've experienced it. We've known his glory. 
And just like John, and just like all the witnesses who've gone before us, our witness is to a directing witness. That is, it's not about us, and it's not about what happens in me, and it's not about me, but it's about Jesus. It's a witness of the power of God to save. It's a witness of the power of God to do the miraculous and the eternal within our lives. Not to bring glory to me, not to bring glory to our church, but to bring glory to Jesus Christ and him alone. So there is firstly the witness of his people. Secondly, there is the witness of his works. Verse 36 says, But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father hath sent me. The witness of his works. He came to deliver from sin. To deliver completeness to deliver completion to what God had intended. Now, we are witnesses, but we are not the greatest witnesses that God has for himself. Important, yes. Faulty sometimes. But there are other witnesses to the authority and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And some of those are his own works. The works of Jesus are what caused the Pharisees such great problems. In fact, as we get later in John, after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, a magnificent work which we will, we will see in weeks to come, the Pharisees and the leaders gather together and say, what are we going to do? He's doing miracles. He's doing the works of God. How are we going to combat this? His works are a testimony of who he is and what he would do. Jesus wasn't like the, the faith healers and the con men we have today who claim to do miracles and claim to do amazing things, but never have any actual proof or any long-standing permanent results. Jesus' works were perfect and complete in every single way. His miracles were undeniable. He did things you couldn't say, you couldn't explain away. They were undeniable. It's a miracle that got this very conversation started when he healed a lame man. It is his miracles which helped confirm who he was. It was miracles that brought Nicodemus to seek Jesus and ask more. But his work wasn't just about doing miracles. Since he came to complete something. He came to do a work and to finish it, something greater than just healing the lame and the deaf and the blind and and raising a few from the dead who would, again, eventually die later. It was something greater than that. Paul explains it a little bit in Galatians chapter 4 when he says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Jesus came to fulfill God's promise. Why do you think when Jesus is hanging on the cross, the very last thing we hear him say, it is finished. He came to complete something, to do a work that no one else could do and to finish it. He was delivering salvation. He was delivering salvation. His work is to bring life, to bring redemption, to free us from sin. Jesus did many, many miracles while on earth. 
fact, we saw when we started this in John chapter 20, uh, John tells us that he did more miracles than can possibly be contained within the book. But when John writes about the miracles, and John chooses seven of those miracles to write in his, his gospel here, but John calls them signs. And he calls them signs for a reason, because they're to point to something else. The signs, the miracles weren't the purpose. The miracles weren't the great work. They were to point to the great work. His death on the cross and his resurrection. They were a point that Jesus had the power over sin and the power over death. They were a point that Jesus has the authority to give life. He came as a deliverer from sin so that lives could be changed daily, to daily change lives. We saw one of the things that begins this whole conversation back in chapter 5 and verse 17 is Jesus says, my father doesn't stop working and neither do I. Jesus' work didn't finish. It doesn't stop. He is still working. He is still applying everything he came to do. Every single day, God is miraculously working. What he completed on the cross is being applied every single day because Jesus changes lives. Consider what John has shown us already in his gospel. The lame man at Bethesda in chapter 5 is healed. The woman in, in uh, Samaria is, is rescued from her sin and a town is changed for Jesus Christ in John chapter 4. The nobleman whose son is dying finds health and resurrection in his, his son and a family finds salvation. Jesus changes lives and he changes lives eternally. And he continues that work today. We are witnesses of that power, that power to save, that power to change lives. There is the witness of his people. There is the witness of his works. There is the witness of the Father in verse 37. And the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you for whom he has sent. Him ye believe not. Now, listen to those words. If you need to, read those words again. They are devastating. That is a devastating rebuke. Here, he is speaking to people who say they know God, who have given their lives in what they believe is service to God trying to do the right thing, trying to live the right way, trying to do everything they believed was right. And Jesus says to him, you do not know him. That is harsh. That is devastating. That's why I said at the beginning, we need to listen to what Jesus says here, whether we mark ourselves as a believer or not. Because Jesus is very straightforward with us. He's very pointed and sometimes harsh to get us to think, am I just doing what I think needs to be done 
Am I following the rules? Am I just doing what, what everyone says I need to do? Am I trying to appease God or do I actually know him? Do I genuinely know him? Jesus is telling them they are deceiving themselves. They thought they knew God. So many people think that they know God. They think that they can speak for him, but they don't know him. Religious or spiritual, maybe even Christian. Think they know God, think they can speak for him, but all they're talking and in all of their doing, they don't know him. And in all of that, it simply displays their lack of knowledge. You can talk all day about God and about spiritual things. But they didn't recognize God when they saw him. Talk about him, but don't know him. Jesus, with this devastating rebuke, also shows that the father declares his purpose. There's a declaration of the father. Three times in the, the Gospels, we're told that there was a, a public declaration of the father for the son. Two of those were openly public, where people could hear him. One in John chapter 12 and Mark chapter 3 at his baptism. One of them more private, on the Mount of Transfiguration, with just a few there. And in all three of those times, the father vocally says that he loves the son and has given the son authority. So that not just so that Jesus hears it, but so that it's clear to all those around, the Father has given authority to the Son. He is directing, this is the Father to the Son, authority. Jesus is the focus of God's problem. You cannot claim to know God and reject Jesus. It's impossible. Because the Father says, the Son is the center of my purpose. So you can't tell me you know God and say you don't believe Jesus. Because the Father gave honor to the Son. There's a witness of his people. There is the witness of his work and the witness of the Father. And finally this morning, the witness of the scriptures. For this, as, as Jesus speaks to them, it is, of course, the, the Old Testament. They don't have the new yet. For us, by God's great grace, we have more to it, including the Gospels here. But for them, it was, was what they knew of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, the Psalms. And here, he is demonstrating their misunderstanding. In reality, I, I've... I've given this point the title demonstrating their misunderstanding to try and soften the blow a little bit, but the reality is he's showing their ignorance. They are just ignorant people. They think they believe and think they know God, but they have no idea. No idea. Dissecting the scriptures. He says that they search the scriptures, which is a statement of fact. You search the scriptures thinking that in them you have eternal life. So they're looking for ways to, to do and things to do, but they're looking for the wrong things. They're searching the scriptures and not finding it because they're looking for the wrong thing. And many do the same today. 
some point in life, we, we go to the Bible and we're looking for wisdom or we're looking for help or we're looking for practical instruction on what to do or how to live. But we're not looking for God and we're not looking for Jesus. We're looking into the scriptures for me. That's what Jesus is telling us. You're looking in there for the wrong thing. He tells them, what you should be looking for is me. Because they tell you of me. The scriptures point us to Jesus. The Jews thought they were experts in the scripture. They knew the law deeply. They knew all about the scriptures but they didn't know what the scriptures were about. They dedicated themselves to the law, but they were too focused on seeing what they wanted to see in the law. They didn't want to see what it really said. And the sad reality of our modern society is we are absolutely no different. We are too busy looking in scriptures to see what we want to see, what will make my life better, what will make me feel good. And we're not seeing Jesus. We're missing the point. The scriptures declare the son. They declare Jesus from beginning to end. In fact, after Jesus resurrects, and in the time between he res- when he resurrects from the dead and when he ascends into heaven, he sees many people. And uh, some of those people are two men who are walking back to their home in Emmaus. And he walks with them and it tells us that he explained to them who Jesus was out of the scriptures from beginning to end. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he showed them Jesus. The very beginning of scripture begins like that. Genesis chapter 3 gives us the very first uh, um, sniffs, the very first instances of the promise of salvation. Everything God did and said pointed to Jesus because he is delivering true life. When you find Jesus in scripture, you find life. You find truth. Believe what he says, and you will be saved. That's why in, in my Bible, I try each, each week as we go through a section, I underline what I see to be the key verse around which I build. And so I've underlined verse 34. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say, that ye might be saved. He wants us to know salvation. To know truth. So why should you believe Jesus? The witness of his people. We have seen and experienced his work. The witness of his works. That he has the power to change lives. The witness of the father. Who through history and and in times has confirmed who Jesus is, and the witness of the scriptures that reveal who Jesus is and what he came to do. If you want to know who Jesus is, investigate these things. 
So I'm not standing here this morning saying these four things I have given you are absolute proof. And if you hear these things, you will absolutely believe. What I'm saying is if you want to know who Jesus truly is, investigate these things. Look at these realities. Talk to God's people. Read the word of God and see what it actually says. Look at what God does. Investigate these things. He is the savior of the world. And we want you to believe him. We are not shy about that. I don't want you to believe anybody else. I don't want you to believe any other work. I don't want you to believe any other religion. I am absolutely outspoken and adamant. You need Jesus for these reasons. Maybe, maybe you feel a bit like the Pharisees here in that you have studied God's word You've lived a religious life, but you can't really say that you know Jesus. Maybe in all of the effort to be spiritual, you've missed him. Perhaps done all the right things, but missed the heart. Verse 34, Jesus says, I'm telling you these things that you might be saved. We aren't ashamed to tell you that we believe Jesus fully. Believer, we are witnesses of the great truth of salvation in Jesus Christ. So be a strong witness. And remember, you're not the only witness. Be a powerful witness because you know that God has powerfully testified of Jesus in this world. He has the power to change lives daily. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your words. And as we prayed before, we ask that your words would dwell in us deeply, richly, that we wouldn't quickly forget or pass them off because they're words we've heard before. Let them dwell within us. As believers, may they encourage us and strengthen us in the power that you have as the Son of God. And for those who don't know you as Savior, may they be the impetus to begin a journey to discover who you are and ultimately know you as Savior. So we thank you for this time and we thank you for this opportunity. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.